Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And this week, my guest is Barry Feldman, a content marketing consultant and strategist who's spoken at the Conversion Conference in the past. Barry, welcome. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited. Absolutely. So let's talk a little about the world of content marketing, copywriting, headlines. Why is that an important part of the conversion puzzle, if you will? Or do you see it as a completely unrelated thing that stands on its own? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, we probably have graduated to this conversation that it you know is so conversion focused with uh, the things that we do in uh, online marketing inbound marketing content marketing you know dot 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 we, we we give it lots of names but certainly you know conversion is the measure of when we did it right and uh, the lack of conversion is the measure of when we did it wrong and though uh, visual marketing's become a massive part of the equation and uh, there's lots to discuss about you know what has stopping power what has uh, clickability what magnetic uh, ultimately it comes down to directing people to uh, online properties you own and the best measure of success is going to be uh, conversion as defined you know by you i suppose Okay, well, you know, I always talk about uh, the visual hierarchy. It's interesting that you bring up kind of the graphic or, or maybe motion presentation as part of the web experience. And the way I look at it is, you know, copywriting words are only handled by our conscious mind, and I call them the firecracker. Uh, in the presence of graphics, those are going to be ignored, though. That would be the hand grenade. And in the presence of motion, which has very important survival implications if something's moving in our visual field, I call that the nuclear option. So, you know, is that the right way to look at it? In the presence of either graphics or motion, it's going to be very hard to read and consume text content. What's that balance? How do you present the text on the page in the first place? You tap into the pleasures and pains and wants and needs of the person there, right? I mean, I think a visual marketing you know, exists side by side with verbal marketing, what I do. And so, um, you know, where I was going with, with the answer I was teeing up before about uh, what we do with, with social media and, and how we use the tricks of the trade to uh, attract traffic. Ultimately, that person is on a journey, on a hunt, on a search. That person is looking for information, and that information is going to be communicated with copy. Okay, I think what I'm hearing you say is that you can't ignore one or the other. Any copywriter that doesn't understand the visual context of the web page or web experience where the copy is embedded is just fighting with one hand tied behind their back. Is that, a, is that too much of an overstatement? No, definitely not. I think if, while every scenario is going to you know unravel differently and test differently, I think generally speaking, if you land on a web page or have an experience at a website with several pages that are walls of text, probably going to get bored. 
And uh, you're probably not going to have that great user experience that the marketer uh, wants you to have. So I think, yeah, definitely uh, you nailed it there. And it, and it requires a, a fine balance, just as it always has really with any form of communications, even on printed pages. However, do uh, you know, do battle with media overload and all kinds of new media. You know, So I think we're more in tune now to uh, the short attention span challenge. Okay, and let's shift gears to talking about the copy for and the role that that plays. One of the things you said is essentially is everyone's on a journey. They're there looking for some specific information, trying to get some need met. And I think the starting point of good copywriting, at least to me, is making sure that it resonates with the right implicit goals that the person has, whether that's for excitement or status or you know, some kind of authority, you know, whatever those things are. So how do you even approach ideation or writing copy? I guess I'll have to use a big word here, but you started it with ideation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Um, and I'm not sorry. (laughs) I guess that word's personalization or – no, not personalization. It could be personalization, but it begins with personification, meaning, you know, you have this uh, incredible grasp of – who you know why why you why you have a website why you have a product why you have a company and uh, who you can help uh, with the solutions that you whoa, sell. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to hold hold you up right there. Uh, I think that applies to two percent of online marketers. I think most of us have not a freaking clue about our audience. We've never really walked a mile in their shoes, and we're mostly thinking about how do we get them to push the button or fill out the form or buy this crap. It's all about wee-weeing, as Brian Massey sometimes puts it all over our visitors. It's all about wee-wee-wee. Yeah, some some copywriter once wrote a uh, – called that the French test. You know, how many times does it say we on your homepage? And so it's you – know, <laughs> If, like that. We, if we overpopulate, you know, ninety-eight to two, the uh, you, then uh, you failed the French test. So um, I'm with you. I'm with Brian. I don't have the numbers at my disposal. Man, we're sort of stabbing in the dark, saying, yeah, like a lot of things, uh, most people do it poorly. So I think, yeah, you're right. You know, Anna Hanley in her great uh, book and almost every speech she delivers talks about this idea that you need to develop pathological empathy. For your customers, and you just said that means uh, walking a mile in their shoes, and most find that to be a hard work. Some don't even understand its importance, and therefore uh, they don't do it. Okay, so how do you prep? Well, let's so let's step back then and say, how do you prep for that? How do you actually get into your visitors' mindset? Are there specific techniques? Experience, or, you know, talk about user surveys or, or watching sessions of people interacting with your site or, you know, doing some kind of mind mapping, masterminding stuff. How do we get into our visitors' shoes? Well, all those things you said help us analyze whether what we did worked, right? We are mapping, analyzing, measuring. We're seeing the outcomes of the hypotheses we've formed and the creative we've produced in, in terms of the things we've talked about so far, the you know, the verbal messaging and, and the visual, and I guess we didn't get into design or layout yet, but all that stuff. But I think, you know, prior to that, when we hone in on the personification idea, is we got to get in their heads. And so we're talking about the psychology of, of, of human beings. And so, you know, there's, there's going to be a great many variables and there's going to be many ways to do that. But I'll give you a three or four that come to mind first. And, and the first one's so obvious, it's, it's, it almost doesn't even sound like a tip. And that is you talk to your customers. First and foremost, you identify who your ideal customer is because you want more of those. 
and then you get to know them, right? You ask them for their time. You give them a reward for giving you their time, and you say, you know, how did this relationship come to be? How, how did we help you in the past? How did you discover us? How can we help you in the future? Secondly, so, you know, but more, more open-ended, sounds like, uh, you know, just kind of a discovery conversation of what was important to you, what was the context, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, they're at their best when, when they're comfortable, and, and really they're probably not at their best when they're sitting, you know, behind a one-way window for a focus group, or you're interrupting them at the bottom of an escalator in a mall, you know, with a little clipboard, and, and then do sort of <laughs> Love me those clipboards. <laughs> you know, the old-school market testing. I, I like to tell my clients that social media is the greatest marketing research tool that ever existed. And, and so, you know, what obviously comes to mind is how people behave on, on the leading networks. But I think you can really, really go deeper. And it's so easy to learn how people talk and what, what turns them on. When you read reviews, you go to Amazon, you read, uh, you know, books that are in your niche. When you uh, see what questions they ask on your, on your blog commentary stream or in Quora or what have you, the list just kind of goes on and on. Certainly forums would be included in that. And then, okay, so we got talking to them. We got a sort of fly on the wall. You're watching them in the wild and how they behave on social media. And then I think, you know, every so often, uh, to the degree that you can pull it off without uh, aggravating people or asking too much of their time, you simply conduct surveys. Okay, terrific. Well, that's a great place for us to pause. I want to come back because I did knock you off your your game and uh, the original question I asked. So after the break, we're going to come back and, and talk about, you know, the process of creating appropriate content. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio, T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Welcome back to LPO, landing page optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. 
And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, with LPO, Landing Page Optimization. This week, my guest is Barry Feldman, uh, content marketing consultant and strategist. Uh, Barry, we were just talking before the break about how people, uh, or sorry, how copywriters and content creators, uh, you know, what's the process for them to create appropriate or aligned copy? So let's pick up there. All right. An open-ended but interesting question, I think. Should we start with the assumption that we've selected our topic? We've selected our topic. We've selected our our audience, as we discussed. We understand them a bit. So, so what's next? What's the? I mean, I just focus. I mean, a lot of us in the conversion world have to write copy. Usually, we don't think too much about it. So, I want to have people consciously focus on what's that process of doing it. Yeah, my favorite lesson is to uh, nail the headline first, and in doing so, you're nailing the headline and then some. You're nailing the messaging. So, I say a picture, if you will, a whiteboard or a blackboard. And the words how to are written, and then there's a big long blank. And I ask uh, people, and they don't have to be beginners, and this is certainly a, f- a fundamental lesson I'm giving, but you know, you, basketball games are won and lost by two foot layups, I guess John Wooden said. And so you return to the fundamentals and you fill in that blank. Well, if that blank, it's tempting to fill in that blank, and most do, uh, with something kind of dull and a feature or something like that. But the answer, you know, what, what really should go in that blank? is a benefit to the reader who you, you know, understand intimately like we talked about um, before before the break. And so if you fill in that blank with a benefit, if you answer the question, what's in it for me, you've now not necessarily written the perfect headline or else every headline would start with the words how to, but you've made a promise <laughs> to yourself about the content you're going to create and you made a promise to the reader about what they're going to get out of that content. Okay, so I think that that's critical. So again, I think what's running through this thread, understanding your visitors and their motivations and writing from their perspective of what's in it for them, right? I mean, that's the, that's the, the channel we're tuned into. You know, what do I get out of this? I don't care about you or your company or the features of your product. Like you say, that's all means to a goal. Well, once someone once famously said, you know, when you go into Home Depot, you don't want to buy a drill. You want to buy a hole. Mm-hmm. That's what the drill is for. You know, you maybe you don't want to buy anything. You want to make a hole, right? Yeah, so, you, yeah, you so. need a hole. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> don't, you don't need to drill. You need a hole. Yeah, and, so I'm with you on that. I mean, that's that, that. I think that exercise with filling in that blank is, you know, how to create the perfect hole. You know, says, all right, now um, I figured out what I'm going to create content about, and uh, that person who's interested in that and probably just uh, did a search for that, or for some reason or another had some sort of uh, interactive online conversation about that is here uh, on my website at a critical moment and I now have to fulfill this promise that I'm going to help them. Okay, and in terms of, uh, well, there's two types of content. There's the content on web pages and then there's downloadable content or other assets that, uh, if we're talking about text content, that that, uh, they would view um, as a supporting part of this customer journey we're talking about. How do those two differ? Mm, that's a good one. I think um, conceptually, not very much. You know, if you buy into the idea that content marketing is delivering helpful, you, you know, utility-based information, but I think the downloadable thing is an exchange, right? Now we're back to conversion, saying uh, chances are very high. I'm asking something of you. Now there's a price. It's usually uh, your email address, so it, it's certainly not uh, you know a big price, but I think we have gone a little further south down the funnel where somebody says, all right, I'm about to pay the price. So I think 
when you get to the downloadable asset, even more forethought, more planning, more research, and is goes into the planning of that piece, whether that typically is an ebook, but it you know, certainly could be a video or a webinar or an infographic or what have you, a series of some sort, an autoresponder, the choices are many. But the idea being the value is going to get even larger. You know, our, our, we just went on our second or third date, if you will. Right, right. Well, I, I want to question, though, that all content should be gated or there's a quid pro quo. I mean, a lot of time, even your best content, you should be given away. In fact, I've seen a lot of informational courses and so on. They talk about they give you great content in a free webinar and then you get the full 20 DVD set and it only has about 10% incremental value. You know, so... <laughs> You know, I mean, that's pretty typical, but there's nothing wrong with that. I think you should give away a lot of stuff ungated, especially early in the process. And again, later in the process when you want people to transact or interact with you and you don't want to put hurdles in their way. It's only in the middle of the process that you might require more information. Yeah, I think so. If that more information is at the very least an email address, the Obvious implication is you care about email marketing, and, and you know, generally speaking, that means you care about lead nurturing, and you're looking at, at that as a conversion and an opportunity uh, to nurture a lead and, and grow your business, or at least build a relationship. So there's no right or wrong answer to, you know, if somebody just point blank says, "Should I gate this?" It's it has to be considered in in the broader realm, and of course, trace back to your objectives. You know, a, a guru uh, that most of us trust is Neil Patel, and he barely gates anything, but that's not to say he doesn't value. Uh, and in fact, on most of his websites, I don't think there is such a thing as a downloadable asset that isn't instant, you know, so there, there, there is no gate. But it's not like Neil forgot about the need to capture your email address. You know, there's all kinds of uh, lead captured tools that he uses. And so it really comes down to the circumstance and the objective of the particular program. Yeah, absolutely. But I just wanted to question, and I think it's our knee-jerk response as online marketers. Well, you know, you've got to give me something. In fact, you've got to give me a 17-page form. I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> not just your email address, but your, you know, the, your, your first, the, the right to your firstborn child. I mean, uh, the balance has to be right. And often, if you want value in the content pieces, you should make the best content piece possible and give it away. Yeah, yeah. I think the shine's kind of wearing off of the gate everything mentality. I agree with you on that. Well, good. Uh, let, let's explore a little bit, though. So back to kind of in addition to the gating and it being better quality in a sense, if you're going to have a downloadable asset, um, are there any other difference in, ter- in terms of format, attention span, um, you know, again, the context in which you're going to experience that piece of content between the web page and the downloadable asset? Yeah, but I, I suppose that's also going to come to, you know, what is that downloadable asset and, and uh, why are we uh, having this information exchange? But I think the answer you know, essentially is yes. I think if, if you're talking about instant access to something, I don't want, I don't want to say that, it, you know, it should be a, a silly little meme, you know, that you can consume in a second or less or something like that. But you are uh, dealing much more so with a, attention span challenge, right? That person's busy and they're multitasking and uh, they might have been attracted to your page from, uh, you know, their morning routine of checking their inbox and so you're competing with hundreds of others. And I think you graduate to a a, a slightly more, um, you know, you you graduate to a, a place in the relationship where you can assume more interest, more desire, more of an evaluation step. So if if what you're offering is, you know, like, a real manifesto, you know, 10 essential techniques to blank. I think you can 
take chances with that piece and, and not be as wary or as paranoid about the attention span. So something like, like a blog post or a social media share or something like that, would you'd have to definitely focus uh, and remind yourself that uh, you know, you're competing with media overload. And I think you have more of a captive audience you've developed something long form, something that required an exchange of some sort or a price of some sort. So I think therefore you have uh, more flexibility, more leeway. You can certainly try other things, go with longer formats, uh, you know, in, insert a variety of multimedia. It's a tough question, but I think yeah, definitely. if your question is, you know, does that Insta gratification experience differ from the thing that I downloaded? I think the answer is yes. And then comes, you know, a series of questions of, how can we make this downloadable thing, you know, really worthwhile? Okay, very good. Well, we're going to talk about that a bit more after the break. We'll also delve into Barry's rock and roll obsessions. Obsessions, obsessions, obsessions. We'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. Host Tim Ash with LPO, Landing Page Optimization, speaking with Barry Feldman, a content marketing consultant and strategist. Barry, rock and roll seems to kind of like rock your world. Yeah, uh, it does rock my world. Nothing's changed since I was about... I don't know, five or six, my dad was playing records that I thought were kind of boring. I've probably changed my position on some of those artists since then as I've matured. But it was when he finally put on a Buddy Holly record that I said, I'm in. And nothing's changed now for the rest of my (laughs) 
exceedingly long life. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been a DJ. I'm a guitar player. I'm a kind of a frustrated musician, right? If I if I I guess in a perfect world I'd actually be a professional musician. But I have a lot of instruments, and I have a lot of CDs, and I go to a lot of shows. And when when people <laughs> when people think of me, they usually think about my insatiable appetite for rock and roll. Well, CDs, what a quaint concept. Well, thanks for sharing that 20th century reminiscence. <laughs> oh, yeah. Should I go back and explain what that means? <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, I bet you had eight-track tapes, yeah, of REO Speedwagon. No, okay. Back to the future. Uh, no, I want to talk a little bit about something you said, you know, you, that where there's these kind of like little throwaway snippets, sound bites, whatever you want to call them. When you think about creating content, is there are there any guidelines as to – the composition of it, in other words, you know, how many long-form pieces do you make? How many blog posts? How, ma- how many little you know, tweets or just retweeting other people's stuff? Is there some guideline you can give with regard to the mix of stuff? No, I would say the guidelines would be to experiment until you've seen what resonates with your audience. I don't think there's you know, the quintessential uh, human being that represents uh, all human beings, and so it, it's going to apply to the timing and the niche and the media that you're using well that's my point exactly so if we have kind of the customer journey and we're just trying to interrupt people like you say there's this media saturation overload you have to be everywhere at once to just kind of get people's attention the first time and as they engage with you they're going to presumably be more willing to expend their time conscious effort to process larger content pieces from you because they care so in terms of just structuring that customer funnel, if you will, uh, should you be paying attention to all of it or the bottom of the funnel or just the screaming for attention top of the funnel stuff? <laughs> oh, boy. You have to pay attention to all of it, right? I mean, your selling cycles are going to differ if you're selling you know, a, a $1 or $2 impulse item as opposed to a, you know, an expensive piece of electronics or a home or a car or a boat. But... Um, Definitely, you know, the whole idea of uh, conversion, you know, and the whole idea of content marketing is to uh, market. And so, you know, the marketers have become, uh, you know, their role has become much closer to the sales role now. And, we, you know, we tend to not connect with the salesperson, particularly for a more complicated purchase or B2B purchase until very late in the process. So, yeah, as a content marketer, you're looking at a matrix of some sort. It might be inspired by your funnel, and it's going to have at least three stages. It's, it's up to you how to slice and dice it, but it's definitely going to have one that graduates south from awareness to evaluation and then uh, one that graduates further south to decision. So you should be uh, thinking about all of those and applying different uh, creative principles as you go. Certainly at the top of that funnel, I think uh, making an emotional connection with somebody which might be uh, – and the answer that, that sort of moves us along until you're back to your question, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? If, uh, if that person's a stranger, you're trying to accomplish, uh, you know, attention. And so you want to uh, touch them emotionally, and you can't do that unless uh, you, ha- you have a cool story to tell and, and you know what, what touches them emotionally. And then comes, you know, as you go further south, you're, you're certainly trying to build a relationship, but um, rationale uh, enters into it in a larger and larger way. And then as you get, you know, super south in the funnel, uh, people uh, reaching for their credit cards and uh, checkbooks are thinking uh, about some of the tougher questions that you're forced to ask. What does it cost? How does it compare? What are the terms? You know, when do I need to renew? All that stuff. Yeah, what's your return policy? All the nitty-gritty mechanics of, of the transaction itself. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, well, great. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you have to start out with a clear understanding of your individual matrix that with the place they are in the customer journey and then figure out appropriate pieces of content to make. And then I think it's, it's very also important to make sure that the connective tissue is there in any kind of content marketing plan or strategy that the handoffs, that's where you can really blow it if your pieces don't connect message-wise or kind of continuity, what's the next step? What are you prepared to ask for at the next step of the, of the cycle? Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I think for identifying shortcomings in a lot of marketers' approach or attack, today it probably is an overemphasis on the top of the funnel. And so, uh, you know, I, I think you certainly uh, do have a media noise issue and at, at the top of the funnel uh, you're thinking about you know, being discovered for the first time so the c- conversation becomes about search and social media and so you're solving the important problem first you know it sort of equals brand awareness right this company uh, you know this person who might be a prospect or a customer 30 seconds ago I never even knew he existed and exactly. so yeah, so there's a lot of money and time gets poured into that but and, and it's at the expense of the subsequent uh, steps in the funnel and, and even so, so the- I think yeah, you know, I think we just answered earlier question I asked, which is where should you be paying attention? And it sounds like, and unfortunately this will be the last word on the subject since we're out of time, that you should focus more on the lower parts of the funnel because chances are you've been neglecting them. Well, again, uh, if you want to hear experts like Barry talk about conversion and all aspects of it, you should attend our conversion conference next May in Las Vegas. Um, Barry, thanks again for your time. All right. Thank you for having me on your show, Tim. It was great talking to you. Likewise. And loyal listeners, we'll see you on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.